Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. What a week for Michigan basketball. From near tragedy to a stirring run in becoming Big Ten Tournament champions. Now it's on to Indy and the first round of the NCAA Tournament. My guest today on our game day segment is Michael Spath, host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Ann Arbor. Before he joins us, a few news and notes to get us started. Coach B and the men's team are riding high as we wait for Friday's game in Indy. If there is any disappointment on the Michigan athletic scene today, it's that Coach Barnes Arico and her team were left out of the field of 64 for the women's NCAA. I was absolutely shocked. A 22-9 record, third place in the Big Ten this year, and shut out of the tourney. You can see the disappointment on Coach Barnes Arico's face while she was watching the seedings on Monday night. A.D. Ward Manuel, not pleased with the committee's decision either. It just doesn't seem right. But this is a young team, and I think next year at this time, things will be different. Instead of an NCAA invite, Michigan received its eighth straight postseason bid and will host Kent State in the first round of the Women's National Invitation Tournament on Thursday at Chrysler Center. Again, Michigan received the Big Ten's automatic berth to the WNIT following that 22-9 campaign. Again, we finished third in the Big Ten with an 11-5 record. Michigan has tied its program record for wins and features three double-digit scorers in Caitlin Flaherty at 19.9 points per game, Hallie Thome 15.5, and Kizray Gundrazik at 15.1. So best of luck to Coach barnes and her team in the first round of the NIT tournament. I don't know if I've ever witnessed a better week of Michigan basketball. From a scare on the runway at Willow Run on Wednesday, the final moments of the Wisconsin game, it was exhilarating. Michael Spath, host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Ann Arbor, will join me on our game day segment with his thoughts on the past week. First, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Skills. Skills lets you play the mobile games you love and win real cash prizes. Check out the bowling game because it is very addictive and the pool game a lot of fun. All Skills games are free to play with the option of competing for cash and prizes. That's right, you can win real money playing games on your iOS or Android device. Mike C. and Alex H. both won over $100,000 playing strike bowling on their phone. In fact, Skills has awarded over $70 million in prizes since 2014. You can win up to $150 in a single tournament with entry fees as low as a penny. Skills has a variety of games including puzzles, bubble bursting, bowling, pool, solitaire, trivia, and much more. Join over 50,000 users that have won over $100 or more. Download your favorite game at skills.com slash Michigan and start winning cash playing games on your phone or tablet. And when you make a deposit, use the promo code Michigan for an extra $10. That's skills.com, skills with a Z. Skills.com slash Michigan, and we thank them for sponsoring the show. Michael Spath joins me next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
with us on our game day segment this week is the host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Ann Arbor, Michael Spath. Uh, Michael, great to have you back with us this morning. I'm glad to be here, Mike. It's been uh, it's been a while. I think this is maybe my first uh, outing as a radio show host of Inside the Huddle, so thanks for having me. Well, it's always great to have you on the show, Michael, and uh, a lot to talk about uh, this morning. Of course, we're recording on Monday morning. We all know what happened last week, and uh, this past weekend, I should say. But, you know, I was thinking this morning, Michael, at this time last week, we thought Michigan was off the NCAA bubble, and, you know, it would be nice if we picked up a couple of W's in the Big Ten tournament, you know, pad that resume, but we got a lot more than that. What a week it was for Michigan basketball, Michael. I don't think any of us really saw this coming. In fact, before the incident with the plane, uh, my my producer Jeff Childs and I had looked at the Big Ten tournament bracket, and we had all made it, we'd made our picks. And I thought in a in a perfect scenario, Michigan could have won its opening game uh, against Illinois, then maybe maybe beaten Purdue because of the fact that they have some history against Purdue, just beat them in the regular season. But I thought that's where it probably ends because then you're talking about three games in three days, tired legs, uh, you know, having to adjust to rapidly different styles. The way that this team kind of goes through some scoring lulls, has some issues there. I just didn't think that it was in the cards for them to win the whole thing. And um, and then for the way for it to start with obviously the pro- the plane crash on Wednesday and the Big Ten's stubbornness and unwillingness to uh, really kind of accommodate them on Wednesday night. I, I-, I think – there's been a lot of back and forth about how much the Big Ten was willing to do, but at least on Wednesday night when Michigan uh, was trying to make a decision, the Big Ten was kind of giving them an ultimatum, either to show up at 12 o'clock uh, for the game at 12 o'clock or forfeit. And that's just, I mean, it just blows my mind that you've got a conference that couldn't do the right thing, the thing that everybody knew they should have done. Uh, and then to, to come out there, maybe that helped them a little bit, gave them a little bit of an edge. They played with an intensity, they played with a – Everybody uses the term galvanized. You know, they were a team. I think at the end of the day, what this comes down to is this Michigan basketball program became a team. And that started during the month of February, but it really, really uh, took root completely this past weekend, watching them win four games, win the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 1998. It's a lot of fun right now, Mike. I, I, I think you've probably got to have a lot of fun. The fans out there are having fun. I'm having fun. This is one of the the best weekends of college basketball, Michigan basketball, that I've seen since 2013. Uh, probably that that uh, that elite, that Sweet 16 weekend when they beat Florida and Syracuse back to back. That's it's just been it's just been a blast. It's been an absolute blast. No, I don't think anyone can argue that point. It was an absolute blast uh, from the first game until yesterday. And you know, you just mentioned uh, them becoming a team. Grant Hill. Uh, who was doing the color for CBS in the tournament, said something uh, yesterday I found interesting. He said that watching Michigan play in the last few months and how the players interact with each other, and then he gets to see them off the court too, and then he's been in the locker room observing them the last few days. He said the team's chemistry was outstanding. You could just see that coming together, couldn't you, Michael? It's um, it, it's taken a, a while, hasn't it, Mike? I mean, yes. it really, it seemed, it seemed like, I mean, just... Just a month ago, on that game when they lost to Ohio State on February 4th, you know, that following Monday when we came on the air, I was talking about how this team is so disjointed, how they have five players playing as five players. And I don't really know completely when it changed. I mean, people can point to the Michigan State game, maybe Indiana on the road. Um, 
but they become one, they become harmonized. And it helps to have a couple pieces. It helps to have, I really think Zach Irvin deserves a lot of credit for this because I think Zach Irvin, when he was going through his slump and you didn't think the scoring was going to be there, he became a player that was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to score my 15 points a game. What can I do instead? And you started to see him become a better on-the-ball defender. You started seeing him become a better help defender. And once you saw that, I think it maybe gave everybody else permission to realize, like, you know what? It's not about um, doing the thing that, uh, that I think makes me special. It's about doing the thing that my team needs me to do. And in the same vein, the team needed more from Derek Walton. They needed him to become that superstar. They needed him to become the guy that was t- that took the big shots at the at the key times, and he stepped up into that role. And they needed DJ Wilson to focus in on rebounding and just playing with a level of intensity uh, that energizes his teammates. And he's done that. There's just every single guy has has bought in and played the right role for the team, not for themselves. What it's not about what makes me individually the best player I can be. It's what do I do as a team that's going to help my team? And that's, that's really been the, the turning point for this, for this group. I think so, too. And, you know, when you talk about that turning point, I was thinking over the weekend, what was it? Was it a game, an event off the court? And, you know, a lot of people point to that players-only team meeting. And we know how those things go. Sometimes, uh, sometimes when players call the uh, players-only meeting, it has varying results. But do you think that might have been the turning point for this team? I don't know that it was the players only meeting because I don't think players only meetings honestly uh, are that big of a deal. I think you can get in that meeting and say like, Hey, this is unacceptable. We're not going to do it. But you know what happens, Mike is that's a long way away from the court. You still have to go out there and execute and play your game. I think when they came back and they beat Michigan state by uh, what, 20 points and just hammered them. And then really going on the road and playing at Indiana and beating Indiana because as much as that game against Michigan State, that game was at home, and they've been better at home this year than they've been on the road by far. And so going down into Assembly Hall, a place that they had lost 17 in the last 18, they hadn't swept the Hoosiers in a regular season two-game series since 2002. Uh, I think that really was the, was the change for them because that's when they, they put it on, the product on the court. Team meetings, like I said, are great, but – I mean, how many times have you said something and then you've, you've gone out and you haven't executed? So I look back at the Indiana game. I think that's the one we really kind of got this team turned around because everything else after that seemingly was better play. Beating Wisconsin at home, uh, playing well on the road at Minnesota, beating uh, Purdue at home. The, the loss at Northwestern was a tough one, but they still played well in that game. So, yeah, if you're going to ask me a specific game, I go back to IU. Well, Michael, let's take a minute to talk about the architect of this finish, uh, Coach John Beeline. He patiently kept putting the pieces of the puzzle together. In January, fans were questioning the team's toughness, their leadership on the floor, uh, claiming that they were playing soft defense, and they were, and, and, and other things. When, you, when you're struggling, you're going to see the fans uh, complaining. But once again, Coach B brought it all together for the stretch run, and you just have to sit back and say, what a heck of a coach this team has. You know, I think the thing that John Beeline has done better than at any point this year, and what he really deserves credit is, yes, the defense, uh, and he gives a lot of credit to his assistant, Billy Donilon, and, um, but I think really it's John Beeline figuring out the right minutes combination for these guys, figuring out how to use his, his personnel a little bit better. I mean, let, let's face it, Mark Donnell is not 
a great player. Mark Donnell's probably not even a good player. But John Beeline figures out a way to get five to eight minutes of valuable minutes out of Mark Donnell right now. And Xavier Simpson, who in the first half of the season and through January, people were frustrated. People thought, this is the point guard of the future, and we are barely seeing this guy. Well, now we see Xavier Simpson for eight to 12 minutes a game. He comes in as as both a point guard with Derek Walton on the floor and as a and sometimes he's just a point guard with Derek Walton getting to rest and finding out how to maximize his minutes and what he does well has been a huge boon for this team figuring out how to use Moritz Wagner for the pick and pop is what they call it where he instead of driving to the lane after a pick and roll he steps out and takes a three that was a huge moment for this basketball team figuring out how to get the most out of DJ Wilson figuring out how to use Zach Irvin when he wasn't scoring, and then having the confidence in Zach Irvin to continue to play in those minutes when everybody else, including myself, were out there criticizing John Beeline and saying, this is crazy. Why, are you, why aren't you, you taking him off the floor? He's not giving you anything. And he kept on saying, I'm sticking with this guy. I'm sticking with this guy. Over and over again this last six weeks, John Beeline has showed us why he is the coach of the University of Michigan, while he is the all-time winningest coach, at the University of Michigan, and why the rest of us just really need to shut up sometimes, have a little patience, and realize that we don't know better than the guy that's been doing this for 30 years. No, I agree. Patience, the key word there. You know, in January, I had Terry Mills on the show a couple of times, and we all know things didn't look good for the team then at that time of the year, and he told me he was certain of one thing. He said, Coach B is going to figure this out, and to come March, this team is going to be playing its best basketball, but he added to that. He said, but you know what, Mike? Even if this team is peaking, they will go as far as Derek Walton Jr. will carry them. And I think we can see now in the last few weeks, and of course the tournament uh, last week, he has help, but he's the man right now, isn't he? It's, uh, you know, I would really hesitate to ever compare anybody to Trey Burke because what Trey Burke did, especially his sophomore year when he was the Naismith Award winner, the best player in college basketball, uh, the shot that he hit against Kansas, the way that he led that team, um, there's, I mean, it's a standard that almost no one can measure up to. And over the course of a season, Derek Walton does not measure up to Trey Burke. But over the course of the last six weeks and really the last, you know, this weekend and the last two weeks, Derek Walton is playing at a Trey Burke level. And I'm very, as I get, I'm very, you know, I don't want to use that term and just kind of throw it out there for the fun of it. He is playing that well. Absolutely. The MVP of the Big Ten Tournament so incredibly deserving. Uh, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I know averaging better than 20 points per game. Uh, the one, you know, the, the one game he had, you know, six assists in the first uh, four minutes of the game against Minnesota in the semifinals. He's, when I look at players, and I've often said this about quarterbacks, said it about, it, it's harder in baseball because I don't think necessarily pitchers do this, but in football, quarterbacks, uh, linebackers, defensive backs, in basketball especially, point guards, maybe a, a off guard. Um, it, when you're on the floor, you have to somehow, your play and the way that you lead and the way that you compete makes everybody around you better. And that's what we were waiting for all year. We were waiting for somebody to make the rest of this team better. And Derek Walton has done that. He has elevated the play of his four teammates on the floor with him. And he's really elevated the play, not only the four guys on the floor with him, but Duncan Robinson and Mark Donnell and Xavier Simpson that come off the bench. Um, it's been it's been one of the one of the best performances I think we've seen in a, in a, out of a Michigan basketball player. Honestly, I've been doing this for 16 years now. Outside of Trey Burke, 
And I, I would say Nick Stauskas, his junior year when, uh, or his sophomore year when he, uh, when he led Michigan to the lead eight, I think right now this is, this is top three. This is the top three individual performances I've seen of a player in the last 16 years. Very hard to argue with that. You know, another thing I was thinking about is what Coach B said in January. He said he looked at his guys, watched them in practice, watched them play, and he said he told them one time, guys, you got to loosen up. We're working hard and, and things aren't going our way, but they will. But let's go out there and have some fun because this is supposed to be fun. And I think uh, as fans sometimes, uh, we forget that too. But this is a much more relaxed team to watch right now. They're smiling. They're having fun. They're, they're still intense, but they're just having a good time right now too. I think two things helps that one, the experience that they went through on Wednesday with uh, trying to take off the Willow run airport, the plane, um, you know, kind of a conflicting reports of seemingly maybe getting a little bit of the nose off the ground and then coming back down and crashing a little bit. Uh, and obviously, you know, having to escape and, and getting off the plane and how harrowing that was. I think there's that um, right now, there's so many times in life and you probably know this, Mike, is that sometimes in life we get perspective. We almost get hit in a car accident, and we're like, oh, my gosh. And so for the next week, we, we just have this, this vibrancy, this joy in our life. I mean, maybe you've lived through something worse than that. Maybe someone in your family has, has died of cancer, and so it just changes you. And, and I think sometimes it changes you for the long haul, but a lot of times it changes you in the short term. Um, and I think that's what this team right now, they're changing the short term. They're just having fun because they realize how close they came to something majorly bad happening. The second thing I'd add is that when you're winning – it's a lot easier to have fun and you win that first game and you win it in a way you beat Illinois by 30 points. Um, and you can just kind of let back and just the joy of basketball is back. The confidence is back. You go out there uh, and then you beat Purdue and you are just having, you have fun when you win. It's easier to put a smile on your face. So those two things together, but certainly you cannot, you cannot underscore uh, what this team went through uh, a week ago, Wednesday, uh, the day before the Big Ten tournament started and being on that plane ride um, that didn't take off, that, that landed, that uh, skidded across the runway and, and almost went down a ditch and, and all the, uh, the, the danger that came from that, um, it's, it's going to have an impact on this team for uh, at least for the short term. I, I think they'll still play loose, loosey-goosey uh, this weekend, this upcoming weekend in the NCAA tournament. Um, and hopefully, hopefully for these players, I mean, the one – you know, I don't want to say silver lining, but the one thing that they can take out of it is they can realize, like, you know, life is both precious and life is meant to be uh, enjoyed. And so I'm going to do both of those things because I've been down that road before, and it certainly does change you. Oh, very well said. With us here on our game day segment this week is the host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Ann Arbor, Michael Spath. And Michael, we've seen it happen with other teams in other years in the NCAA tournament. If you catch fire at the right time, you never know what can happen, and this team's on fire right now. Well, they are. They certainly are, and I think the expectations have changed. I mean, I think everybody um, expects this team to get to the Sweet 16 the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. I would caution that just because the two teams that they have to go through are no slouches. I mean, Oklahoma State, everything that we've learned about them in the last uh, 12 hours or so is that this is a high-scoring team that – uh, what won nine of their last uh, 13 games is playing well, lost their last three, but still a team that if they catch a spark are going to be dangerous. So this is no easy seven ten matchup. And then if Michigan prevails, they have to move on and play Louisville in the second round. And I know there's a lot of people that are talking about it as a revenge game. I, I always think that revenge game talk is a little silly and I'll tell you why in a minute, but 
um, when you look at it, it's a, it's a team that has been in the top 10 in the country all year long. It sometimes was in the top five in the country. Uh, typical Rick Patino team, they can run. They're long and athletic. They've got shot blockers. They've got great scores on the outside. Uh, you know, they didn't finish, they didn't finish the, the season the way that they wanted to, but this is still a very, very dangerous team. So I understand the expectation for Michigan to get to the Sweet 16 and then see what happens. But, man, it's, it's going to be a tough road. They arguably got the, the hardest 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then they have one of the best. I would say Louisville uh, and Duke are probably the two best two seeds in the NCAA tournament. So it's, it's really no easy task for them to get to the second round. At the same time, they're playing as well as anybody. And because of all the things we've already talked about, that, uh, that um, you know, find, the five playing is one, the joy that they're playing with, the energy – it wouldn't shock me to see them get to the elite eight and you never have after that, honestly, after the sweet 16, you've got to almost go weekend by weekend and see what the matchups are. I didn't know much about Oklahoma state. I have to say, I watch as much college basketball as I can, but (laughs) you can't see everything. But from what I've read in the, uh, the last few hours, I was interested to see that this team really mirrors uh, Michigan, this team being Oklahoma state in many ways. They're very efficient on offense. One of the top five uh, efficiency offenses in the country they, too, don't turn it over much. And believe it or not, they are even a better free-throw shooting team than Michigan. First-round uh, matchups are tough. And, uh, you know, I look at the stats, and I think I've watched the tournament long enough to know that you may as well throw those out, though. Well, right. I mean, when you're, when you're in matchups like this, it's one thing, the 1 versus 16, 2 versus 15, 3 versus 14. After that, it really starts to get, uh, you know, almost like a pick em, almost like just flip a coin and go with it. And for a seven to 10 matchup, I mean, uh, I think Michigan's open up as a one and a half point favorite, but that just goes to show you what the, the Vegas people think of this matchup. They think that either team could win. Uh, you're right. This is a very high functioning offensive team and a, and an Oklahoma state team that uh, struggles defensively. I would say that gives Michigan a little bit of the edges that they've found their defense. They don't, if you look at the stats overall, their metrics don't look great because their defense was so putrid for the first uh, three months of the season, but in the last couple of weeks, they've played great defense. I mean, they held, uh, you know, Wisconsin down yesterday. They held Minnesota down. They held Purdue down. Um, so this is a team that's found its defensive confidence, and that gives them that, – that would lead you to believe that it gives them an edge over Oklahoma State. But you're right. I mean, when you get into it, anything can happen in these first-round games, especially when the matchups uh, is a 7-10 matchup. I think we all look at this with a little bit of Michigan bias and just think, like, they're going to win the game. But I guarantee you there's a ton of orange, uh, orange-clad cowboys in Oklahoma right now that are thinking we're going to the Sweet 16 too. So uh, it'll be a fun game. I like that it's on Friday at 12-15, so it gives Michigan enough rest after playing the Big Ten tournament, uh, making it all the way to the finals. I wish the game was a little bit later. I wish, honestly, it was at uh, 8 o'clock at night to give them a little bit more rest. But you know what? They proved already that they do pretty well with the early slot games. They won the uh, first-round game against Illinois at noon. Uh, they came back and beat Purdue uh, at noon, and then they won a Saturday game in the semifinals at 1 o'clock. So they're used to playing that early uh, early afternoon game. Well, looking at the seed, uh, you know, heading into the weekend and before we we won the Big Ten uh, championship, I, I thought, you know, uh, nine, eight or nine seed would be good. You're just glad to get in. But a seventh seed, when I saw it come up last night, I thought, well, it's, it's not bad. But, you know, on Facebook and on some of the uh, social media things, I've I've seen grumbling that, they thought Michigan should be, some of the fans, I should say, thought Michigan should have been better than a seventh seed. What do you think about that? I think based off of what they did down the stretch, I, I honestly, 
I was talking to Chris Dobertine from SB Nation, who blogs their bracket, and uh, and I thought that they were going to be a six seed. I really, honestly, thought that they deserved that. It's interesting because Mark Hollis, who is the NCAA committee chairman, um, was kind of talking out of both ends of his mouth on on Sunday night, talking about how uh, you know they didn't the, the games going into uh, on Sunday. They didn't. It didn't really make a difference. Everything was made up in terms of the seed, and then. A couple months later, he said, well, they were originally an eight seed, and then we switched them with Wisconsin uh, when they won the game. And really not sure what they're thinking. I mean, the fact that Wisconsin is an eight seed, uh, everybody thought they were a six. All the Joe Lenardi from ESPN, Jerry Palm from CBS, uh, Chris Daubertine from SB Nation, all these guys had Wisconsin as a six seed or, or higher, and they turned out to be an eight, and they were the first Big Ten team unveiled. I think at the end of the day, the committee had little respect for the Big Ten this year. Um, and thought that what Michigan did, while while you know maybe fun for the fans to enjoy, didn't really prove anything because they felt like oh they went through a Purdue team that uh, is a four seed, not great. They went through a Minnesota team, they went through Wisconsin, they went through uh, Illinois. So what? I mean, if, if they would have done this, if they would have done what they just did, any other weekend, any other year, they would be a top four seed, um, not a seven seed. But they think the Big Ten is down. Um, they, it is based off the RPI, based off of Ken Palm. I mean, there, there's no team in the top 10. Uh, but I still think that a, that a seven seed was too low. I, I thought that what they did going through uh, the the best team in the Big Ten at Purdue, going through the second best team in Wisconsin, going through the third best team in Minnesota should have earned them uh, a six and maybe even a five. But that's where we are, and uh, you can't really do anything about it. Well, the ride continues this Friday in the first round of the NCAA tournament uh, in Indy against Oklahoma State. So we have a few days to rest up. Team, <laughs> the team gets to rest up, and it should be a lot of fun. Before we let you get out of here, Michael, uh, uh, just a shout-out to uh, Coach barnes Rico and the women's team. Uh, we're recording on Monday morning, and tonight the pairings are announced for the uh, women's NCAAs. And I would be shocked if this team doesn't get their bid, wouldn't you, Michael? Well, they're expected to get the bid. You know, it, it's unfortunate that they played so poorly down the stretch. They lost five of their final six. They got bounced in their first game of the Big Ten tournament. Um, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of parallels to teams of the past that uh, just couldn't finish down the stretch and, and cost themselves uh, a, a cost themselves an NCAA tournament bid in the past. Now they're supposed to get in. Um, they're probably going to be end up being a ten seed. Uh, and maybe even an 11 seed. Um, but but here's a good thing about it. While they're not entering the NCAA tournament with the momentum that the men's team is, they're one of those programs that can just hit the reset button. Okay, we have not played well down the stretch, but we've got good players. We've got Caitlin Flaherty, uh, their junior shooting guard, that uh, you know averages close to uh, 28 points per game. They've got Hallie Thome. Uh, they're, they're big in the middle, 6'5", that can shoot with either, with either hand. Uh, is really good in the low post. They've got uh, Kaiser Gondrzic, their their freshman stud. Um, so they've they've got the pieces there to win a first round game and maybe even win uh, a second round game. But I tell you what, this program is is making progress slowly. Um, if they getting into a tournament is progress, but really kind of winning the game in the tournament, I'd love to see that. Uh, they get to the second game of the tournament. I think that would be that would be phenomenal for this program and a good step forward. Um, you, you wish them the best. Kim Barnes-Rico is an awesome coach, an awesome person. Um, honestly, Michigan basketball, I say Michigan basketball, men and women are in some of the best hands. You could argue that they're in the best hands that they've ever been in uh, in the history of the program. You'd have to go back to maybe when Steve Fisher 
and Sue Guevara were here at the same at the same time. But uh, with John Beeline and Kim Barnes Arico, I mean, it's it's in, it's incredible how good the coaching is at the University of Michigan right now. No, I absolutely agree with you on that. And I think big picture for women's basketball, yeah, they're going to eke in as a 10th as a seed. But looking ahead, this is a very young team, and I think it's just very important for them to get into the tournament. If they can get into the second round, great. But this is a building block for what's coming next next season. Without a doubt, they lose one player that, that plays big minutes off of this team, and that's their senior point guard, Sierra Thompson. Uh, which is going to be a loss, certainly, because you gotta, you've got to bring in a new point guard, and it's probably going to be uh, Kaiser Gondrzejczyk, uh, the, uh, the freshman. Really, she's a two-guard, but she's going to play point um, next year. But they bring back Caitlin Flaherty. They bring back Hallie Thome. They bring back um, – and, uh, oh, come on, I'm forgetting her name, the, the, their, number, their four position. Um, so they bring back most of their starters. Uh, they've got some young freshmen, Kayla Robbins, that's getting some playing time. So this is a good, good program on the way up and, and should be, you know, they finished, uh, they finished what third in the big time this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I don't think they've got quite the talent yet to challenge Maryland and maybe Ohio state, but they should be a top four, top five team consistently these next couple of years under Kim Barnes Rico and bring in a little more talent and they could challenge for the top spot. Well, good times for Michigan basketball, uh, at least, at least this week. So yes, uh, let's see where the women go and, uh, It should be a fun week for Michigan Hoops. Our guest on this week's game day segment has been Michael Spath, host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Ann Arbor. Mike, thanks for joining us, and uh, we look forward, as always, to our next visit with you. Sounds good, Mike. It was a pleasure. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On quick hits today, senior goaltender Zach Negelvert made 46 saves, the second most of his career, to lead hockey to a 4-0 upset and weekend sweep of number 11 Penn State on senior night at Yost Ice Arena. The Wolverines will enter this week's Big Ten tournament with wins in four of their last five games, all four coming against ranked opponents. The Wolverines will return to action on Thursday as they begin Big Ten tournament play at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. As the number five seed... Michigan will get a rematch with number 4 Penn State in the first round at 8 p.m. At this point, Michigan's only hope of getting into the NCAAs is winning the Big Ten tourney and securing the automatic bid. This could be Coach Red Berenson's last few games behind the bench, so it would be nice to see this team sort of catch magic in the bottle for him and help this great coach go out in style. We can hope so. The number 17-ranked University of Michigan softball team split its final two games of the John Crop Classic, surging past Kent State 5-1, before falling to number 19 host Kentucky 5-1 on Sunday at the Wildcats' John Crop Stadium. Junior right-handed pitcher Tara Blanco headlined the Wolverines' victory against KSU, registering her best collegiate performance from the circle. She allowed just two hits and no walks while striking out a career-best 13 and helped her cause with a hit and three runs batted in. Junior first baseman Aiden Falk stoked U of M's offense with a pair of leadoff doubles. 
The Wolverines, 14-7 and 1, will kick off the home portion of their 2017 schedule this Wednesday, hosting Bowling Green at 4 p.m. at the Wilpon Complex, home of Alumni Field. Not great softball weather, but it's nice to have softball back home for another exciting season. Timely hitting and a tremendous pitching performance pushed the number 24-ranked University of Michigan baseball team to a 5-0 win over the Lipscomb Bisons on Sunday en route to a three-game series sweep. The shutout victory is Michigan's first of the season. The Wolverines will return to action on Friday in their home opener. First pitch against the visiting Northern Illinois Huskies is set for 4 p.m. at the Wilpon Complex, home of Ray Fisher Stadium. Michigan opens the home portion of their schedule with an impressive 12-3 start to the season. Thanks to Michael Spath for being our guest today. Later this week, I'll have our Michigan Man Extra for you. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports will join me with an update on the 2018 recruiting class, and there is a lot to talk about, so please join us for that. This week's show has been brought to you by Skills. Skills lets you play the mobile games you love and win real cash prizes. That's Skills with a Z. Skills.com forward slash Michigan. When you make a deposit, use the promo code Michigan for an extra $10. Once again, we thank them for sponsoring this week's show. That will do it for another week. Don't forget to tune in later this week for our Michigan Man Extra with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. No one knows Michigan recruiting better than Steve, and he has a lot of good information for us this week, so don't forget to tune us in. It's going to be an exciting week on the Michigan sports scene. Men's basketball in the first round of the NCAAs on Friday, and women's hoops entertaining Kent State at home in the NIT first round on Thursday. I'm going to be on vacation next week, but the show must go on, so we'll be back on our regular day and hopefully be talking about a trip to the Sweet 16 for the men and a good run in the NIT for the women. So we'll see you then. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at Yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go blue.